Welcome, welcome inside Center News. Welcome, it's Ori Subshimike, our host. And today we have a new host, and uh, probably the first host of this podcast. And uh, his name is Matthew Francis. He's a friend of mine. We've been friends for, you know, a few years. A couple years. Yeah, a couple of years. So, uh, and today the podcast segment will be on uh, what being transgender really means um, in the world, in America, if you guys really want. Um, so without further ado, let, let me introduce to Matthew. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Ori. So glad to be here. Um, really excited. You've got some great questions and I can't wait to uh, answer them. Okay, Math. Um, you and me, we go way back, right? A few years. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm not going to really um, spend much time talking on how we, we met. Uh, but I want the audience, the listeners, um, whoever they are, to really understand what's happening in transgender community. You know, uh, what has happened, what has changed. Lily, um, so I'm gonna introduce to the audience. Um, Matthew uh, was born in 1970s, yep. and uh, he was born in a time when uh, being just a member of you know LGBT was um, uh, blasphemy, you know, an act against the Bible, an act against God. And you could be killed because just of the fact that you're an LGBT person, you know. And I want to just take this opportunity to uh, have Matthew on this podcast, you know, share his story and what his takes on um, what's been happening in transgender community lately. So without further ado, let's start with Matthew. Uh, introducing himself, what he has done, and what his last book, you know, was about. Okay, Ori, thank you. Um, so I was born in 1970, and in 1970, being homosexual was still considered a mental illness. Um, I was born in Kentucky, but I've lived in Maine most of my life. I uh, moved to Maine at a young age, probably five or six. My story about being trans is a little stereotypical in that um, I was born female and have, you know, biologically female anatomy. And but my heart, spirit, soul, I knew I was male. Um, and what I mean by that is just the way I relate to the world is a very masculine. And I want the world to see me the way I feel about myself. Um, but I couldn't bring myself to um, to do anything about it when I was younger. Partly there wasn't the language. Uh, the other thing is I never immersed myself into the LGBT community. So I didn't even know the term for what I was going through. There was no language for it. Um, but I am a Christian and uh, a traditional Christian. I believe that Christ is who he says he was and that he died and raised again and um, loves us and wants a relationship, a personal relationship. And so I thought um, that this was evil, that this was bad. And so I was going to take it to the grave. But then I got cancer in my early 40s 
and after all this arduous treatment, I um, was really praying. I, I figured out who I was because I got the internet and I started to look it up. So I realized I'm transgender. And at first I wasn't going to do anything about it. I just thought, well, at least I know what's going on. And then um, I really wrestled with this issue and prayed about it. And I felt uh, very strongly that God affirmed my gender, that he had made me and that he loved me. And so I felt that um, my gender was valid as a transgender man. And so I've been living my life as a Christian and as a transgender person. Matthew, lately um, in the news, uh, for the people who really follow the news, um, the church has been trying to approach uh, the transgender issue in a different kind of way, like they used to, opposite to what they they used to. Uh, so in your experience, because you just said you were a Christian, right? You were born and raised Christian. So what's your take on um, how, the change, how the church may have change its own way to approach the subject of what being transgender and if the transgender should be welcome you know in church i think everybody should be welcome in church um telling someone not to go to church is is like telling someone who needs a doctor to go to a cna or something um yeah. or someone who's been arrested not to get a lawyer um, we all need Jesus. Uh, I believe that. And he is Lord. Um, I think, you know, there is nothing in the Bible specifically about transgender people. There's nothing at all. Not in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. It does say male and female. God made male and female. Uh, my contention is that that's true. Um, it, but during the fall, things got really messed up. And so that what I have, in a sense, is a birth defect that I've got this male spirit, this male energy, in a, and it got trapped in a female body. And so I'm just um, affirming my gender and I'm just trying to transform my body to be in alignment for the way I feel and the way I relate to the world. Also to be taken seriously. I wouldn't be taken seriously as a male if I looked like a female. No one would, you know what I mean? No one yeah. would do that. So some of that isn't just for me. It's also for my presentation. Um, but church um, should be open to everyone because church is for sinners. And unless anyone can come to the table and say they're not a sinner, yeah. then I don't see why you would exclude anyone yeah. for any reason, quite frankly. Yeah, and, you know, the judge is God, and it's really not our pay grade to be judging people. Matthew, um, you wrote a book mm -hmm. that's approximately one year, right? Two years old. Two years, two years yeah. old. Sorry for that. And uh, so what makes you like, you know, decide to write the book mm -hmm. um, on your relationship? Um, I know that the book is about uh, being transgender, but your relationship with yourself as a transgender person and God? Well, the, the book is um, multifaceted. I address poverty, issue of generational violence. I address uh, women's issues, really. Um, me being transgender, me being a Christian, me having cancer. Um, what prompted me to write that book, Ori, is because I've spent a lot of my life in pain. 
and I wanted this pain to mean something. And I thought if it can be used to help even just one or two more people, um, I'd be satisfied. But I know I've gotten a lot of feedback that it's helped a lot of people, and that makes me really happy. Um, it's a successful book. It's overseas. It's in Africa. It's in um, Russia. It's in Germany. Um, and sometimes I'll meet someone who, who has read it and they just can't stop hugging me or thanking me for the book. Um, but it's basically about me wanting to share that no matter who you are, you know, you can triumph um, because I have some pretty adverse circumstances and I've made it. And um, I'm, I'm just ordinary person. So I just wanted to inspire hope with ordinary people. I also address mental illness and that's something that I should be upfront about is that I had struggled with mental illness and I still struggle with depression from time to time and a little PTSD stuff, but my mental illness since coming out as transgender person has really decreased. Uh, I'm a lot healthier, a lot um, more adjusted. I feel better and um, I've become more productive person. So, Wow, it's amazing, <laughs> Matthew. I am very amazed, you know. Um, so in terms of sales, you know, um, what do you think the book uh, may have achieved in terms of sales? You know, I know this is your first book that you have mm -hmm. wrote, but what do you think that it may has achieved just itself instead of Maine? What do you think it may has achieved or transformed? My book sales are doing pretty well on Amazon. Um, did you mean what's been achieved as being a transgender person in Maine? No, in terms of sale, what's your, what's your book may have achieved? I hope that it's helped people. I mean, it, I, I don't know um, that many transgender people, not too many transgender people have actually read it. It's been more allies and friends and family of transgender people that I hear from. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know. I hope it's made an impact. I just, you know, you want to come into the world. You, you hope you want to make a difference. I think most of us do. And um, that's just one way I, I hope I've made a difference. Uh, recently, there have been deadly attacks on blacks transgender in U.S., mainly in Maryland and Florida. So what's your take on this? That's a really great question. It's a multifaceted problem. What's happening is transgender women of color who are poor have been attacked uh, the most. Uh, they have the highest rate um, and it's it's really quite sad. We have a transgender day of remembrance and the majority of the people are transgender women of color. Um, in the United States, my take is obviously there's racism involved. There is the issue of poverty involved. There's the issue of um, being a woman. And uh, it's just hatred and it's a, it's a person a scapegoat. There are also these, these particular women um, tend to be in profession that is a high risk because they can't get jobs. So they, they maybe are prostituting themselves. So they're already at high risk. And I think that we have to factor in all these things as, as to what's going on. Another thing that people don't talk about, and I do want to mention, is that our suicide rate is extremely high. Now, ironically, the suicide rate of transgender men far exceeds transgender women. 
And so we don't know why that is because people assume that we have a lot of privilege once we become men. But I'm thinking that the stories of trans men aren't told enough because I, um, as you know, do a talk show yes. and I've talked to many transgender men and they're getting beat up a lot and they're getting hurt too. The difference is it's usually being done by family and friends. So therefore exists a prior relationship and um, it's not being documented accurately. Whereas transgender women, it seems to happen more by strangers and it's being properly documented. I don't think the statistics tell the whole story. Um, and I think we need to be looking uh, you know, how do we help everyone, uh, transgender women of color and, and trans men and transgender women, period. Um, but, um, there's a lot going on. That's that. I think you could teach a whole course on probably that because there's so many issues, uh, intersecting. Thank you, Matt. That was very, very insightful. Um, so recently there was a shooting in Maryland and um, I read today about the shooting. It, 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 um, it happened in a small city um, down in uh, Maryland. And um, so the city, it, it's called Aberdeen, Aberdeen. So, and the shooter was a black transgender female, born male. Um, she opened fire on her ex-co-worker at a right-head warehouse distribution at approximately 9.09 a.m. in the middle of the day. So what do you think that may have um, pushed or filled this woman to open fire on her ex-co-workers? Well, first off, um, her being transgender, I don't think has anything to do with it per se. I know this is becoming too much of a problem. Um, obviously gun uh, regulation needs to take place. We know that, but you know what I do notice about a lot of these shootings is that it always happens after a rejection. And my contention would be, we're not treating each other very well. We're not rejecting our, and I, I don't know that we need to be rejecting people, but if you do need to end a relationship or, or terminate an employer, um, why isn't it done, being done gracefully and uh, kindly? Because we are our brother's keeper. And, we're, and when you have to let someone go in your life, uh, don't be ghosting them or doing it over a text. Do it face to face. Um, and then mental illness plays a part, but I'm almost reluctant to pair mental illness and violence because folks with mental illness are most likely to be victims of violence as opposed to perpetrators. But mental illness does play a role. Um, we're all responsible for our actions, mentally ill or not. And I think we need to um, deal with our rejections better, but the people doing the rejecting need to do it well as well. Again, this is a complex problem and I think we could teach classes on it and, and discussion, but I think right now what, what sits with me the most is reject someone well if you even have to reject them. If you have to fire them or you have to evict them from your life, do it decently. And passionately. And passionately. And let them know what they're doing so that they can reflect and grow, you know. Um, but if you don't have to reject someone, don't. Because 
I don't think there's really call to, sometimes you need to shelve a relationship or put it in a different context, but I don't think rejecting people is really the answer or that's, that's my honest opinion. Matthew, do you think that um, there is enough support or there are some enough support for the transgender community in general? No, I don't think there is. I think what's happened is we've raised the bar. There's a lot of awareness, but awareness doesn't necessarily translate into acceptance. And um, so we've got awareness, but I think we've got to dig deeper now. We've got to start having some of these tougher conversations um, and not being afraid to uh, be too sensitive or afraid of stepping on each other's toes. We need to talk. Uh, honestly, openly, without judgment, without fear, and um, and be okay to do that because I think people are aware. I don't. I think awareness has happened, and it's time now to go deeper, and talk about things that people are uncomfortable about, and um, and and this is gonna. Unfortunately, it'll be double duty on the transgender person, but we're gonna have to be open to hearing what people have to say or think without being offended every other minute. Um, you know, and the people who don't agree with this, though, have to do their best, too, to not be offensive, but to be able to speak freely as well, you know, but you can speak freely without being offensive. Yes. <laughs> so. yes. Uh, before we end this podcast segment, uh, Matthew, um, what can you say to the people who are not used to this culture like people who may have been in contact with the transgender people but they don't know how to act how to be passion or compassion what do you have to say i'd say you know keep just trying to talk um be supportive but be honest of your own feelings too um and and recognize your discomfort or or what's going on and um, obviously, there's the internet so you can educate yourself and you don't necessarily need a transgender person to educate you because it is on the internet. You can yes. read different stories. Um, you can join support groups. And, you know, really, even if you don't understand something or you don't agree with something, you still can be kind. You can still be decent. You still be respectful. And that doesn't change just because you don't agree with a person's lifestyle. I mean, um, we could all find something that we don't agree with, but you know, you overlook it to remember the best of the person. And if this was your ever your family or your friend, remind yourself about why you love them, why you care about them. Is gender really that important? You know what I mean? And, and think like that. So my, um, my recommendation is hang in there. Uh, everyone stay safe, stay calm, and let's talk. One last question, and sorry to bugging you. Um, and it's very one of the important questions here. What do you think um, those transgender people face when it comes to uh, open themselves in health facilities? And what I mean by that, if they go to check um, themselves at a hospital, at a clinic, they may have a big headache, or they may have uh, some uh, health conditions that have to do with the gender. 
What's your take on this one? I'm not sure I completely understand. Do you mean if they go to a hospital, how should they be treated, or? Uh, no. Uh, I mean by that, I mean like, um, okay, let me take, let me give you an example. Like, uh, like a transgender person, right? Mm -hmm. She may be feeling bad, right? And mentally, she may not be doing well, right? But what do you think that the doctors, the nurse, you know, the medical staff, uh, are they well um, educated on the subject in terms of dealing with okay. transgender patients? I think a lot, um, like I said, I think there's awareness, but I don't think that they're necessarily trained for this. So obviously much more training needs to take place, but you would treat the transgender person um, for a medical condition the same way you would treat anyone, except that their needs are maybe a little unique. But I think that's true of everyone at this point, you know. Um, doctors and nurses, to me, have to be on the front lines and they've got to force themselves to learn about these issues because they need to be good um, at what they do. As far as transgender people having mental health problems, you can almost take that as a given because the discrimination is so severe, it would be almost impossible to, to not have some mental health issues. The LGBT community has a lot of mental health issues. 86% of the people, actually, it's 86%. It's mostly depression and anxiety, uh, which is, you know, could be alleviated when we stop discriminating and treating people poorly. So my, my take is let's just, let's remember that we're dealing with wounded people and just be extra sensitive. Thank you, Matthew. It was very educational, not just for me, um, but also for the people who may probably never heard about what being transgender person really means. Okay. So, and I hope you that, you know, gonna keep doing better, you know, and uh, you can keep, you know, bring the lights on uh, with being transgender and people that sh they really should care because being transgender, you know, it's just being like me and you and so it's it's very normal like yeah. you should treat everyone with respect you don't have to like them but you have to respect have them have to be decent decent so thank you for coming to this show it's podcast whatever you call it okay. thank you so much thank you thank you Lori. thank you guys for tuning in so this was matthew and uh he's a good friend of mine and i'm hoping that he'll be back uh with a great insight another day probably